This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Now, I did write an introduction for this one, but unfortunately, much like most of the wrestlers on this list, I totally don't remember it. So before I forget my own name as well, let's get into it, shall we? I'm, nope, can't remember that either. This is What Culture Wrestling, and these are 10 wrestlers from ACW's final year you totally don't remember. Number 10, Chili Willy. I mean, what kind of a name is Chili Willy? At least it was eye-catching, if nothing else, but Balls Mahoney's pal, Willy, do you get it? Do you get the joke? Barely made a dent on the extreme scene. Chili debuted in ECW during the first few months of 2000 and instantly struck up a relationship with Mahoney and his gang of chair swinging freaks. Despite getting cheered by the audience though, mainly for hanging around with balls, do you get it? Willie didn't have much success and he wouldn't enjoy anyone's ECW closed its doors for good either. Chili went onto the indie scene, ditched wrestling to join the army and then returned to the independence as a trainer for various schools near his home base. Number nine, Michael Shane. This man, Michael Shane, is the cousin of Sean Michaels. That is the biggest claim to fame Michael Shane had after graduating from Sean's TWA school in 1999. It didn't take long before the bigger promotions were sniffing around because, of course, Sean Michaels' cousin, he must be good, including ECW. Most fans likely remember Shane as TNA's Matt Bentley, but he spent some time in the land of the extreme before all that. In total, Shane worked 15 matches for Paul Heyman's organisation. A fair number of those were on the house show loops, but he did appear on one or two episodes of the syndicated hardcore TV programme as well. Maybe Mike would have gone on to bigger and better things had ECW actually stuck around a little longer. Post ECW, Shane worked some job matches for WWE on Velocity and Sunday Night Heat, then made a minor splash during TNA's early weekly pay-per-view days. He was talented, but emerging from the shadow of Shawn Michaels was always going to be a struggle. Number 8, Julio De Niro. Mr. De Niro was a WWF and WCW jobber named Julio Sanchez before Heyman's group picked him up and gave him some purpose. They teamed in with fellow outcast Chris Hamrick and the wonderfully named Easy Money throughout 2000 and 2001. The threesome, along with Valley Electra, actually had something decent going. Like most on this list, however, De Niro was a victim of circumstances. The inevitability of the promotion's demise stopped Paul Heyman from putting his all into character development, and that definitely impacted the stable's chances. De Niro's biggest moment came when he and Money lost an ACW tag team title bout to Danny Doring and Roadkill on the guiltiest charge 2001 pay-per-view. He's typically forgotten about next to Easy, though, which is a shame. Both were pretty good workers who could fly and bump, 
with the best of them. Number 7, Scotty Anton. In 2000, Scotty Riggs traded his eye patch and a place on the WCW roster for a stint in ECW. It stretched to 23 minutes, including battles against Rob Van Dam, The Sandman, Tommy Dreamer, and old leader Raven. So why wouldn't you remember him then? Well, Scotty Anton, as he was renamed, was only around for six months. And on top of that, only eight of his appearances were actually televised. One was a pay-per-view effort at Heatwave 2000 against Rob Van Dam, which is where you'd have been most likely to catch him at that time. Anton's well-muscled body and buff bagwell with long hair look never seemed like a snug fit for ECW. But star power wasn't exactly rife in the company by that point, so he got a shot. Scotty wasn't picked up by the WWF when ECW went south either. And that's a slight surprise too. He had a good physique, significant experience, and probably should have found a spot amongst all the other incoming invaders who were flooding the locker room. Number 6. H.C. Lope Now, diehard Ring of Honor fans may be reading this with some slightly raised eyebrows. Yes, this former Ring of Honor tag champ did wrestle a scatter of matches for the original ECW between 1999 and 2000. Lope was hired by Heyman after impressing in a tryout match set up by Dory Funk Jr. After that, he balanced working his thug gimmick on house shows and episodes of Hardcore TV with helping set up rings as part of ECW's live event crew. His most high-profile match was a false Count Anywhere brawl on the 1st of October 2000 episode of Hardcore TV. H.C. Loke joined the likes of Steve Carino, Just Incredible, Jerry Lynn and Rhino in the bout. And to be fair, he must have been feeling pretty good about his prospects in the company after that one. Unfortunately though, that actually ended up being his second last booking for ECW. Number 5, Scott Hall. Now alright, Scott Hall might be a bit of a cheat entry here because he never actually appeared on ECW TV or pay-per-view. Instead, the then recently released WCW star made a few house show appearances for Paul Heyman in November 2000. Unfortunately, it wasn't exactly the greatest period in Scott's life. The one-time Razor Ramon and ex-NWO powerhouse was going through some serious personal problems at the time, so it's perhaps a slight shock that he made ECW bookings at all. Still, Heyman was likely desperate to squeeze any remaining star power out of Scott that he possibly could and knew his name value would be a boon for select cards. Scott Hall versus Just Incredible seems like the kind of match that ECW should have tried to stick on TV somewhere, but it just wasn't to be. Scott called time on his run after beating Credible, winning a tag with Jerry Lynn against Justin and Rhino, before finally losing to the human behemoth, Sally Graziano. Number 4. Red Dog WWE fans may recall Rodney Mack's time as part of Teddy Long's Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprises stable on Raw back in 2003. Before that, Mack was known as Red Dog and had a short stay in the original ECW as part of DeBaldi's faction. And by short stay, we're talking 15 matches short. Now, Dog was the kind of wrestler that needed some polish from day one. Maybe that's why Paul Heyman put him in a thug faction who exclusively worked weapons-laced brawls, and it might be why he wasn't booked again following his house show loss to Steve Carino on the 21st of October 2000. WWE picked Red Dog up when ECW folded and tried their absolute best to make something out of nothing. And it's fair to say he'll be remembered for that more than his extremely brief flirtation with a certain hardcore promotion from Philadelphia. Number 3. The Prodigy and Prodigette Simon Diamond stands between two faces that you probably don't recognise at all. On the right, the Prodigy. On the left, the Prodigette. And yes, don't worry, you're not alone. Not many wrestling fans will remember these two. Tom Marquez played the male prodigy, and it was bodybuilder Angel Orsini who flanked him as a female counterpart. They were regulars on ECW TV towards the end of the promotion's shelf life. ECW announcer Joey Styles even did everything in his power to talk up the prodigy as a future star of the company. But sadly, it was definitely a case of too little, too late for that one. For reference, Prodigy and Prodigette formed a group called the Sideshow Freaks with a few other, yes, you guessed it, Sideshow Freaks. Number two, Bilvis Wesley. Former timekeeper and ECW staffer Bill Wiles transitioned to an in-ring role in 1997, but he fed off house show scraps until 1999. 
That year, he formed a tag team with the Prodigy and vowed to become one half of the next ECW Tag Team Champions. Wales worked a few different gimmicks towards the end of ECW's run. He was part of Lou E. Dangerously's Dangerous Alliance parody and then became the world's worst Elvis Presley impersonator. Or at least, sort of, anyway. Although saying that, he did beat Jerry Lynn on the 25th of August 2000 episode of ECW on TNN, so it wasn't a complete waste after all. And number one with a bullet, the Musketeer. The Musketeer must sit proudly at the top of the heap as one of the most obscure members of Paul Heyman's hardcore locker room that there ever was. And as a result, information on this guy is pretty hard to come by. He worked a total of six matches in the year 2000 and he never won once. In fact, the Musketeer lost to everyone from Jazz and Jean-Pierre Lafitte to Balls Mahoney and of course, the MVP of this list, Mr. Chilly Willy. And he also got to take some weapon shots from New Jack too. Nice. His last wrestling appearances post ECW came on the independent circuit as El Muskie in 2017. So apparently he held onto his gear for all that time. Many people will tell you that Paul Heyman is an absolute genius and sometimes I agree. And then you look at this guy and you really don't know anymore. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.